Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You're listening to Linux in the Ham Shack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 253 of Linux in the Ham Shack. This is our deep dive episode, and we do have a deep dive topic for you tonight. And uh, with you tonight, we have myself, Russ, K5TUX. We have a currently absent Cheryl, W5MOO, who may or may not show up on the show a little bit later on. Not sure yet. We'll find out. And then we also have Bill in Big Sky Country. I might be here. I don't know. Good evening, everyone. NE4RD. You're not sure? I'm not sure. Maybe. I could be. It's possible. It's possible. Okay. Well, good. It's a world of possibilities right now. It's a probable maybe. Okay. So with that, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna possibly maybe talk about this new phenomenon that's sweeping the world. It's the derivative of FT eight uh, that we've been talking about quite a lot lately because it's the digital mode that's taking the world by storm. And this derivative project used to be called FT eight call and is now called JS eight call. Um because of a little kerfuffle about the name and the fact that the developers aren't the same people and it's a derivative project and the people who did the FT8 didn't want to be associated with this derivative project and blah, 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 blah. But we're going to let Bill fill you in on some of the details or at least some of the basics about JS8 call, the new digital mode. And then we're going to take a look at the app, actual application. And uh, I have, actually have JS8 call uh, decoding over an SSH tunnel on my computer right now so i'm watching js8 calls happen on 40 meters as we do this uh so we're gonna (laughs) we're gonna get down into the application we're gonna talk about some of the history where this is going and uh hopefully everyone will get out there and start using js8 calls so go ahead bill tell us a little about it sure Uh, well uh this project is uh hosted over on bitbucket so it's one of the uh the oddball uh, source repositories, but you can go ahead and find the, the source code there should you actually want to uh, compile this yourself. But uh, they do have all the downloads available on their groups.io uh, group for JS8 call. And uh, it's the only way you can find the actual binaries for this particular application if you want to install it. And right now the current build is 075 and it's available for Mac OS, Windows, Raspberry Pi, including an app image for Raspberry Pi. Uh, and of course, Linux, app image, 1604, 1804, LTS, 1664-bit uh, builds are out there. And as well, they provide a 32-bit uh, generic uh, Debian build. I do not see any uh, RPMs or anything else. So, <laughs> uh, so you'd have to compile from there. Um, these are all... Um, all test pre-release builds so that we do not have a true like general availability release much like you get with uh ft8 you get the uh you know the uh, rc1 rc2 rc3 that they're going through right now looking for a a ga so 
I would assume once they get to a point of stability and they get the product they want, that you would be able to find uh, the GAs out there in a public website per se. So for now, the only way you can get it is to join the mailing list. The mailing list is quite active. I would say probably several, eh, let's say about 100 messages a day or so <laughs> on a on a good day. Uh, it can probably go down from there. But uh, uh, yeah, lots of lots of traffic talking about various issues. Uh, a lot of people talking about Mac OS Mojave right now in the uh, in the group, as well as uh, various issues on and off with the uh, PSK reporter and stuff like that. But uh, beyond all of that, once you get the application and get it set up, they have a, a pretty good set of documentation available over on uh, uh, a Google Docs document right now. They have uh, available for you to view. I just turned mine into a PDF just so I could have a local copy of it. But it's a pretty well-documented application, and uh, you should have no problems getting it installed on any one of those systems. Um, so let's talk about a little bit of what you need to get started besides just the application. Uh, you're going to have to have a computer. You know, even a Raspberry Pi would work. <laughs> uh, and of course, you'd want to have your Linux computer, right? Uh, yeah, so a Linux computer would be great. Uh, you need to have a rig interface. So this is a digital mode, and you'll need some type of audio interface like SignalLink or Westmount Radio or any of those devices that can talk digital to your rigs, convert that audio signal over to the rig. And of course, you need a rig that's stable, that has a stable VFO. Uh, you know, if you have an OXCO or a TXCO, that makes it even better. Uh, keeps that uh, frequency really stable. Anytime you do digital modes, the more stable, the better it is. And let's see, we're sequencing digital. So look, it's 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 the same as FT8. They run in 15 seconds increments. So that means you have to have some type of time syncing on your computer. So make sure you have it synced up to NIST or or anything else that will sync your uh, time to <laughs> to the national uh, you know the National Institute. And because uh, you got to be Within the 15-second window, the only transmit for 12.6 seconds, that means you're decoding for 2.4 seconds, which is an 84% duty cycle. So a lot of stuff is going on in that time. And if you're off sequence, you're not going to get a decode before you start hearing transmissions again. You might miss it. So, uh, yeah, a lot of people experience issues with that, much like uh, FT8 and JT65. Uh, once you got the application installed and everything plugged in, you're going to go ahead and double-click. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just run, <laughs> you just run JS8 call, and uh, it's a it's a pretty cool, uh, you know, slick little interface. It looks very familiar. Uh, I'm gonna launch it up right now because I realize I don't even have it running. Oh my god, where is it at? JS8 call, there it is. Yeah, so you're uh, you're presented with a nice little splash screen that comes up in front and tells you this build will expire. It's a it's a pre-release development build, like we uh, said. This particular build right now, 0.75, does expire on Halloween, so it's a celebration or maybe it's a sad night when your uh, your JS8 call gets turned off. <laughs> um, so yeah, so once you get rid of that, uh, it's got a it's got a nice display. Kind of reminds me a lot of the uh, the 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 WSJTX interface. Um, yeah, up in the top you have your band controls, so uh, your band selection, your drop down for your band. In the center you have Call sign time and uh, that next beacon thing, which I'm sure Russ is going to tell us about in a little bit here, uh, and a bunch of control buttons for your logging, your beaconing, your uh, spotting, logging, RX, TX. Oh, they've even moved the buttons since the documented stuff. There's not even a <laughs> not even a TX <laughs> button anymore. Oh my god! <clears throat> so the documentation is a little bit lagging <laughs> as I'm comparing the two images side by side. Uh, 
the uh, the center of the window is basically where all the action occurs. You know, you have on the left side, you're going to have your band activity, just like you do in uh, FT8 uh, or you know WSJTX. Uh, you'll have the stations and and times and signatures. Centered, you'll see all the messages, and your outgoing messages are also in the center. And on the right, you'll have all the call signs uh, that you're uh, that you're hearing, right? The last seen time of the call sign. So, and uh, we also have that all call thing, which I'm sure we're going to hear about too. And down at the bottom, nested in the application, you actually have the waterfall. So instead of having a separate waterfall like uh, WSJTX does, you have it kind of built in, and you have the same controls that you would have there. And of course, down in the taskbar, you have what. You know what? Whether you're transmitting or receiving, mode you're in, and then of course the little ticking timer for the 15 seconds going bye bye, <laughs> and uh, that's about all it is. A uh, you know for at least the app and uh, get it running. Um, it really doesn't take much to just get it up. It sort of just comes up, <laughs> but we do have to configure it just like you do any application. And Russ was going to kind of walk us through some of the more particular uh, uh, configuration options besides just the the silly ones like you know. Your, your call sign, your grid, and uh, your radio and audio, which should be pretty much set if you're already using WSJTX. Yeah, for sure. The The nice thing about FT8 and JSA call is that in order to get it running and actually listening and decoding things, you don't have to do a whole lot. The only things it really requires are you to set your call sign. And if you go in JSA call, if you go under file, there's an option for settings in the dropdown. And that will bring you up seven different tabs worth of settings. <clears throat> Actually, I think it's eight tabs worth of settings. But um, the first one is general, and that, of course, has your basic information. In it. And there are highlights in the first two sections under my call and my grid, which it definitely wants you to set. Those are the only two things you have to set, however, and the application will run just fine if you don't set anything else. However, you may not hear anything unless you actually go into the audio section and properly configure your input and output audio devices. Now, if you only have one input and output audio device, it'll probably work just fine by default. But like on my Hamshack computer, I actually have four input audio and output audio devices. So I had to configure those properly. Uh, it's a drop down. It's it's uh, pulse aware and also aware. So if you're familiar with the nomenclature for any also or pulse devices, you'll you'll see those there. It also has drop downs for um, mono left and right. Assuming that you would ever have a situation where your sound card is receiving something different on the left and right channels of your of your card, uh, you could set them there. That's never been a case for me. Everything's always in mono, but it's one of the things that's available under JS8 call. Uh, it has a default back on the general tab, CQ message of CQ, 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 and a default reply message of how copy. Um, these fields, the first four fields, CQ, reply, station location, and station detail, are actually referenced by buttons on the main interface just above the waterfall. So if you set these, then those buttons become active. And when you click on those buttons, they will send whatever the message is in those fields. So that's nice. You can set default location information, uh, default detail information. So you can have like a little JS8 brag tape uh, that you can just click on a button and send. So that's, that's pretty nice. 
Um, one nice thing about JSA call is this is supposed to be a roughly equivalent rag to mode for weak signal propagation. You're actually able to send more text than you know what you would be limited to in an FTA call. I don't remember exactly how many characters that is, but it's like 14 or something. And what what this one allows you to do is you can put an entire message in your send window, which is in the middle of your main screen. You can just keep typing and typing and typing and typing. And what will happen is it will split that up into smaller chunks and send it as much as it can at any one time. And it will continue to transmit over the 15-second TX cycle until your entire message has been delivered, and then it will stop transmitting. That's why the transmit button has been removed, because you no longer need it. If there's something in the transmit window, it will transmit it, unless you hit the halt button. There is there is a halt button in the upper right, and that will actually cancel your TX if for some reason you want to do that. Uh, but for the most part, the mode is really simple to use. Uh, by default, the the waterfall shows you a roughly 2 kilohertz uh, passband, and you can change how much you see below in the bins per pixel um, setting down there. It's a you know up arrow, down arrow. Um, you can adjust weird things like the colors of your waterfall if you want to. There's a lot of there's a lot of things who are if you're really technical and you want to customize your waterfall in very specific ways. There are a lot of options down below the waterfall for for changing that. Uh, one of the most important things you'll see on the screen, however, is on the left hand side. It's your receive signal strength, and you want to keep that in the green, of course. Uh, if your audio is coming into the computer too hot, it will turn red. And if you're not seeing anything on the meter, you don't have enough audio coming in at all. Uh, again, on the main screen, you uh, have all the information you really need to know. There's a drop down in the upper left that allows you to select the pre-selected band frequencies for each band, going from 160 meters all the way up to, uh, does it go all the way up to? goes all the way up to uh, 6 meters. So anywhere from 160 to 6 uh, are pre-configured in there. Uh, in the middle of the upper part of the screen, you see your call sign, the current time, and if you have beaconing enabled, it will tell you how long it will be until the next beacon. There's a button in the upper right. You can click it, and you can automatically beacon your call sign on the JS8 frequency, and uh, it will do that every so often. The how often that happens is actually configurable in the settings. Um, it's in the first page under general. So let's, let's go down through some of the general options that I found interesting. Um, you can set your buttons, your automatic buttons. You can set your IRU region. Um, you can also change it so that the distance displayed from stations, if you are keeping track of your grid locator and received stations grid locator, it will tell you the great circle distance between you and them. It defaults to kilometers. If you're in the U.S., you probably want to change that to miles, uh, which I certainly did. You can tell it not to start monitoring it at startup. You can also turn auto-reply auto off. Auto-reply, by the way, is is very handy, so you're probably not going to want to turn that off. Um, you can uh, check also to allow TX frequency changing while transmitting. It's probably not a good idea, but you can... With this, you can send and receive multiple uh, 
transmissions at the same time, um, which is it's not it's not quite the same as the uh, that mode in FT8. I don't know what's the whatever they call it, but the the pileup mode. Um, but you can sort of keep track of multiple conversations simultaneously in JSA call, and you can also sort of because it's done in fifteen second chunks, you can actually transmit and receive in a sort of full duplex way where you're still getting information from one station while you're sending information to that station and it will decode sort of <clears throat> semi properly. Uh, you'll be able to follow the conversation at least um, because it's sent in such small chunks. You're really not entirely sure when they're done unless they're using the KSK nomenclature from PSK uh, 31 or other digital modes. Uh, the two contacts I made today, they weren't doing that. So, it wasn't necessarily super clear when they were actually done talking, uh, but uh, <laughs> you, st- you still sort of get the idea. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty straightforward. Um, the, the screen where you receive information will actually highlight when there's a CQ or when someone's talking to you. If your call sign is mentioned in a transmission, by default, the color will change to red, which I think is the same color for FT8 or JS. JT65 and those. Uh, if there's a CQ, it will be green, and uh, otherwise it'll just be a uh, normal non-highlighted color. You can you can change that uh, color behavior as well. That's configurable. Uh, and on the right-hand side of the main screen, there's also the list of call signs that have been heard in the last predefined interval. And you can organize all of this information by using the uh, window tab on the main screen, which is kind of nice. Uh, you can you can turn on or off the various segments of the window, and you can also choose the sorting of each of the segments too. Like if you want to order the call signs by you know actual call sign, like alphabetical order, it will do that. If you want to organize it by last heard, it will do that. If you want to organize it by signal strength, it will do that. Uh, if you want to organize it by distance, it will also do that. So if you look under the window tab on the main screen, there are lots of neat little things you can tweak to kind of make it more interesting or useful to you, the information that you're receiving. So I said all of that to kind of actually get into the general settings tab. So let's go back to that. So I avoided talking about it entirely. <laughs> Uh, but I, I actually have touched on most of these already, but then I'm down to the bottom of the screen um, where you can actually determine how long things stay in your window. Um, you can I think the default on call signs is like two minutes. I've set it up to 10 so I can keep track of call signs for a longer period of time. Uh, you can also remove messages after a certain time period, so it will clear out after you know two, four, five, twenty minutes, whatever you want to set it to. Uh, there's also an option here for setting the beacon interval, which defaults to thirty, and I left that alone. And then there's the idle watchdog timer, which I don't actually know what that does. However, um, most, if not all, of the options in JSA call have a hover uh, tooltip. So if you don't know what something is, you can just hover over it, and it will pop up a little uh, help dialog to kind of help you along and tell you what each of these things is. So, for example, if I hover over the idle watchdog timer, it says number of minutes before unattended transmissions are aborted, beacons, auto replies, etc. Uh, that defaults to 60. 
that's probably a safe default. So if you uh, then go to the radio tab, the radio tab will look familiar to you if you've used any kind of digital mode at all. Um, it's basically the connection to your rig through your rig interface, whether you have a rig blaster or a signal link or whatever it is you've got, uh, you have to set this appropriately. Of course, this is integrated with Hamlib. So if you click on the rig dropdown, it will give you a list of all of the radios that are available to you through Hamlib. The default polling interval is set to one second, which is probably what you should leave it at. If for some reason your rig is a little bit slower or your baud rate is low, you might want to change the poll interval down a couple of seconds. Uh, but for the most part, any modern radio, one second should be adequate. Of course, you're going to need to set your serial port, your baud rate, your data bits, stop bits, you know, basically your connectivity parameters to your rig appropriately, uh, set your PTT method to whatever it is. Uh, there's a couple operations here for setting the mode of your rig, which you can uh, easily just leave the rig alone as far as when you're changing frequencies, or you can have it set to USB. Most of these transmissions in digital mode happen on USB, uh, regardless of the frequency. Uh, so that's the option I've chosen. And then you can also have uh, JSA call manipulate split frequencies as well, if you want to have it do that. Uh, once you get the things set the way you think they should be, you click on the test cat button. If it comes back green, you're good to go. If it comes back red, or the application crashes, you're not. <laughs> and but you always like that, yeah, right? <laughs> both of those have happened to me today. So you know, uh, e in either way, um, you hope it goes green. And if it does go green, then the test PTT button will light up. You can click on that. If your rig, you know, if the PTT works and your rig keys up, then you know that's working. You click it again; it will turn the PTT off, and you know your rig control is good to go. We've already talked about. Uh, the audio tab, which is the next one, uh, configuring for Pulse or Alsa or whatever. Uh, you can also select the save directory if you want to actually save the audio from your decodes and transmits so that they can be replayed later. This will allow you to configure a directory for doing that. So that can be useful in some cases. Uh, there's also uh, the ability to remember power power settings based on the bands you use. So if you happen to use 35 watts on 20 meters and only 10 watts or 5 watts on 160 meters or something like that, you can you can have it remember that information. If you go into the reporting tab, there's the ability to, um, I don't know what these log, I didn't look at these logging ones. So let's see, some logging programs will not accept JT65 or JT9 as a recognized mode. So it will convert it to a data yeah. mode uh, so that it will log properly. And you can set your operator call in there as well too. Uh, if you need to log to a certain kind of application, uh, you can turn on DX spotting in PSK Reporter and APRSIS uh, with the appropriate passcodes and servers configured there. Uh, you can also set the UDP API, which will connect to something. This is something I have not investigated. So what's the UDP API for? Do you know? Uh, that's so you can access it from an external uh, application. Uh, right. So so it spins up its own little server, so it'll accept requests. So you can actually do controls from like a remote or from another application connection. Control the software. All right, very good. And there's also one last bit in here under reporting where you can actually connect to. Um, well, you can actually receive um, broadcasts from. Well, no, let's see. This would be 
transmits or receives from N1MM? I think it broadcasts it so N1MM right, hears it's it. Received. So if you're actually logging to N1MM and you have the N1MM listener turned on, uh, you can configure this for the N1MM server on your side so that when you're logging your JS8 contacts, they will be reported and logged in N1MM. So that's pretty cool. Uh, under frequencies, you can add or configure particular frequencies so that if you are switching between 20 meters or 10 meters or 30 meters or whatever, you can tell it what frequencies you want to go to. You can also tell it what mode you want to use. Um, and if you want to add a special custom frequency, like let's say you have a SCED with somebody on JS8 call and you don't use the standard frequency, you can put that in your, your memory book here. And that will uh, keep that information so it's in the drop down. Uh, under save messages, I haven't used this, but you can set a bunch of save messages. I don't know how many, but uh, clearly many. <laughs> uh, and there's a button <laughs> on the main interface that says saved. And if you click that, I'm presuming it'll give you like a drop down of, of options for saved uh, messages. Yes, that's exactly what will happen. So you can have. A uh, hundred different pre-canned messages that you want to send to people, and if you uh, have have a bunch of them in there, it'll give you a drop down of those, and you can select them, and it will auto send them when you have selected them appropriately. Like if you're in the middle of a QSO, for example. Uh, notifications. What kind of notifications are these? Like actual desktop notifications? Yeah. So these would be sounds like a you know a ding or something like that, like your uh, <clears throat> whatever that little. Uh, JT65 bar used to be at the bottom. Right. <laughs> it used to alert you and stuff like that. So you can do the same thing. You can select a sound file for it to play when you, and it hears a directed message to you or a replied dialogue message received. And uh, of course they do, uh, do tell you that you need to make sure it's a different sound card than the one you're actually uh, operating to the rig <laughs> <laughs> because you don't want to send like, uh, you know, windows sounds to, uh, or, or leaving Linux sounds or any sounds <laughs> that don't belong on the radio to the radio. Uh, we hear that quite often on the air, uh, uh, those little, you know, notification sounds from windows seven and stuff like that all the time. Yeah. That's, that's a good pro tip right there. Don't, don't send your notification audio over the airwaves. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Check your sound devices and make sure this is not pointing to the same one. <laughs> and under the last tab, you have the UI which just allows you to change literally configuration of the JSA call UI, including the font, the default font that it uses, and the colors of various things, including messages, call activity, uh, composition, so far, and so forth, not so far. Um, so you can make this as custom or as default as you like. So once you've gone through your configuration options, you come back to the main screen, uh, you hit the drop down, select a particular frequency band, and start looking for JS8 call USOs. And uh, trust me, it won't be long before that happens. So let's take a quick look at the buttons in the upper right. Uh, by default, the RX and the spot and the auto are enabled. Uh, RX, of course, just means that JS8 call is actually listening to your rig for signals. If you uncheck that, then your waterfall will turn blank. Uh, so that's probably not terribly useful. Uh, tune actually just sends a tone out over the particular frequency that you're tuned to, and it will key up the rig. So that's another way to test that your TX is actually working. 
Uh, Spot, of course, will actually enable DS, uh, PSK reporter spotting of any uh, call signs that are heard. So if, if something has actually been re- reported in PSK reporter, then, for example, the distance and the, and the other information about that will, will be shown in your right-hand window. Uh, the log button uh, does exactly what it sounds like it'll do. You click that, it will give you the option to enter some call sign information, your wattage, your RST, and all of that, and you can actually log that information. And I believe it logs in uh, text and ADIF. I don't know if there's any other format that it will do, uh, but it does ADIF for sure. Uh, there's a there's a push button for the beacon. Uh, that The option to configure the interval for your beacon is in your settings, and if you want your station to beacon every so often to announce to the JS8 call world that you are out there, uh, you just click on beacon. Uh, Auto is nice because if you have auto enabled, which I would suggest, then once you start typing something in the outgoing message window, then it will just transmit as necessary. And if, for example, you highlight in the either the left window or the right window a particular call sign, for example, because they either CQ'd or referenced you directly in a QSO, then when you have auto-selected, whatever you send out will be prefixed by the call sign of the received station. Uh, so it properly identifies the QSO as belonging to that particular station. So I would uh, highly recommend leaving that enabled unless you just like typing call signs a lot. Um, <clears throat> there's also SEL call, which is a button that enables or disables selective calling. In other words, right by default, if that's not enabled in the left-hand side and uh, when, when things are coming in through the waterfall inside of the passband, anything that's in there will actually be t- decoded and shown to you. If you check SEL call, you'll only be shown um, uh, you'll only be shown messages that are directed to you. So uh, that's useful if you're in a pileup situation or if there's a lot of chatter and you're just trying to focus on the particular contact that you're making. Uh, I haven't seen enough contact information coming through when I've been using the application to even bother with that. Uh, it's pretty easy using the highlighting to pick out which conversations are relevant to you and which ones are, you know, conversations going on between other people or extraneous chatter or whatever. And finally, of course, is the halt button. So if you're in the middle of a TX and you need to actually stop doing that, you, you know, typed out a long message or something and the band goes dead or whatever, and you don't want JS8 call to continue to transmit to somebody who's either not there or can't hear you anymore, you just click halt and TX will be disabled. So I think that is bulk of JS8 call. Uh, the interface is actually nice. It's it's a little bit modernized over FT8 call. Uh, it's got some uh, sort of like smoother graphics and just kind of has a nicer, more modern look to it. Uh, the waterfall is very nice. Um, you can see how much wider the signal is than a FT8 contact, for example, because uh, there's a little bit more data involved. Uh, but for the most part, uh, the information about configuring the waterfall looks very similar to uh, any of the WSJTX stuff. And of course, this is, as we mentioned, a derivative project. So it kind of follows that uh, the interface will have uh, some similar characteristics. I'm actually seeing quite a few 
uh, call signs coming in right now. Looks like all of a sudden, 40 meters is getting busy. It's busting wide open. <laughs> I was just uh, kind of looking through some of the documentation here while you were uh, going over that. And uh, I was uh, interested in that uh, API that they have. And it's listed as highly experimental. <laughs> it's actually a JSON RPC API uh, that allows you to uh, do various things right now, which may be broken like they say, <laughs> at any particular time and change and version. Well, every, everything uh, like about they might. is highly experimental right now. They're, they're only letting <laughs> their releases out there for a few days at a time, and then they're like saying, nope, we're yeah. going to turn this one off, and then we're going to do another one, and then you can use it again. Right. So this will be like some of the things you can use to, uh, to, to do. You can actually get the frequency, set the frequency, uh, get the call sign of the station you're working, get a grid, set a grid, get... get uh, the QTC, which I guess is the uh, station message, and then you can set a station message. Uh, let's see what else. They have a get call activity, get band activity, get text, which grabs everything from the yellow RX box. Uh, some get text, send text for uh, set text for TX, and of course send a message. So yeah, it looks like they're they're kind of uh, exposing a lot of the control. So possibly at one point you could uh, run this completely from another application without actually uh, <laughs> looking at it. Which would be really nice. That would be really nice, especially if you have some other interface that you like over the interface that they have provided for you. But I have to say that if you've used any kind of digital mode application, the, the interface is very comfortable and you you won't have any difficulty using it at all. And they do make it pretty straightforward. So there's not like a bunch of hoops you have to jump through to get this up and running, especially if you're running it, like, for example, from the app image. I mean, that's literally download the app image, make it executable, run it, and you're up and doing it. You, you enter two fields, and you have J- JSA call. I mean, it's just that simple. And then, of course, like like anything that's powerful, it's it's simple on the outset. And then if you want to go in and dive right down into it and make all these custom tweaks and integrate with other applications for logging and spotting and control and all that kind of stuff, it gives you the opportunity to do all of that stuff. Uh, so you can make it as simple or as complex as you like. So uh, I do like where this is going, and I have made a couple of contacts right before the show, and I have to say I'm kind of enjoying JSA Call. I think it could be a really fun mode to operate. Yeah, I'm kind of interested in uh, in, in possibly doing it uh, for the Ritty Roundup here in a couple months. Hopefully they get to uh, uh, yeah, a nice stable version and... Uh, I don't have to worry about having last week's version or something like that to do the contest. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was just kind of going through the, uh, the FAQs as well. So they say here, occasionally there's a random three or six characters at the end of a relay or act message command. Have you seen that? I yet? have not seen that yet. That's interesting. But, of course, uh, I haven't been using it all that long. So. Oh, okay. Well, they say that's just a checksum message added to ensure that all the message frames were delivered. So. Don't be worried. <laughs> well, that's actually kind of useful. I didn't realize that. I didn't actually read the documentation. I was kind of hoping to see if I could just jump in and fire this up and get it working without reading the docs. You know, you know, how guys are right. Yeah. So, and it turns yeah, out you actually course. can. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's not very many options. So that's that's pretty good. Another good one here is: uh, isn't ten to twenty words per minute too slow to have a conversation? <laughs> And they say if propagation is good enough, you should be using a faster mode anyway. Well, that's true. <laughs> GSA calls, GSA calls made for uh, you know weak signal type stuff. So uh, you can uh, 
you can work signals all the way down to 24 dB below the noise floor. So uh, yeah, yeah, which is borderline that's, that's insanity. A, 24 dB below the noise floor, and you can actually have a conversation. That's <laughs> yeah, that's pretty crazy. Uh, but but it's also very well, cool. It's showing the power of computer decoding and actual amateur radio. Because I mean, what other modes can you actually have a real conversation? I mean, even even FT8, you can't really have a conversation. It's basically like, hi, your RST is hello seven three by. You know that that's the entire conversation. You can't really. Yeah. You can't really disseminate or propagate information using FTA, but you can with this, and it uses the same architecture, which is kind of nice. And yes, it's slow, but the point of that is it's slow, but you can have a conversation and transmit important information at up to 24 dB below the noise floor. So in, in situations where you'd never be able to contact somebody using another mode, you can with this one. Yeah, interesting. I see they also have a little thing in the group. If you're a, a member of the JSA group, you can go into the chats area on the actual website for Groups.io, and they have kind of like a little skid uh, chatter there. So if you want to do a schedule with somebody, they recommend doing that or going over to their Facebook group. So yeah, it looks like a little growing community of uh, JSA call users. Now, we did want to mention that the way this application is disseminated right now because it's sort of a pre-alpha totally development we don't really want this thing out there but we want to be able to test it kind of environment they're only disseminating it through a wiki which i think you can only get to once you sign into groups.io and then of course once you have the links to it from there then you can download it but they want you to get into the group uh which has the links to all the downloads and stuff like that and we're hoping that once this goes into at least beta that they're going to make dissemination of this a little more easy you know so you don't have to actually sign up to groups io or something like that so there'll actually be some sort of uh download page or they'll actually present it to uh debian and the other distros so they'll show up in the repos and stuff like that but for the moment uh you have to do some hoop jumping to actually get the binaries the devs the app images whatever it is um or you have to go to what? What was the repo for the source code? It wasn't. Uh, uh, it's a bit bucket. Bit bucket. So yeah, so it's it's a little uh, obtuse as far as getting the source code and, and the downloads and stuff. But once you do, it's it's pretty straightforward. Um, I installed the sixteen oh four version on my Debian box, and it works just fine. So e- even the uh, Ubuntu version works on Debian. And presumably it'll work on any, of course, uh, Ubuntu derivatives based on whatever version you download. Um, and if you don't have one of those, of course, just use the app image because uh, I've, I've run it both ways and it works fine. And, and of course, it looks exactly the same either way. So um, before the show, I did want to try and do it on the Mac OS version, the native Mac OS version. But apparently my version of Mac OS is too old or something because it bombed pretty hard. Uh, although I, I am using a pretty old version. I'm using El Capitan. And uh, what's Mojave? 10.14? I don't know. My my Mac runs uh, Fedora now. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you, Apple! <laughs> yeah, well, that too. But we also want to mention the fact that this is a cross-platform application. It runs on Pi, it runs on Mac OS, runs on Windows. So while we would highly recommend that you use it on Linux, there are other alternatives. 
Yeah, and it looks the same everywhere you run it, so that's that's nice. You're, you you can get familiar with it in any any system and transition quite rapidly or easily to Linux. <laughs> right. Well, it uses the same uh, toolkit. It's built it's built with Qt, so um, you know Qt runs on anything, so it can run on anything. And of course, if you're using the app image, at least on Linux, then all of that stuff is is built into it. So you don't even have to have Qt installed if you're using the app image. Uh, it has all that stuff rolled in. Which is a the beauty of things like app images, but also the downside of app images is they tend to be huge because they have to have all that crap rolled in. So you know, pluses and minuses. Um, yeah, and let's put this into into frame here as well. This this particular mode and application is barely three months old. I mean, the very first version that was released to a tiny development group was released on July sixth of twenty eighteen. <laughs> Well, let's put that so, into also a different kind of perspective. Yes, it's very new. There's only been development on it for three months, give or take. However, they took most of the code from a well-established project, <laughs> one that's been around for that's years. That's true. So, um, and that's because it's open source. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> See how that works? How you can take it and uh, and and modify it and then redistribute it. It's such a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I just got to say that the the uh uh the latest version as of uh well, October 8th, that there was uh went from uh, you know, a handful of testers up to 6,000 testers. And I'm assuming that's how many members they have in the JSA call groups IO account. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's been growing, uh, uh, quite, quite rapidly. You know what that means? More available contacts. Lots more people you can talk to using JSA call. Yep. More people on the bands that, that means they're in use. And, uh, that, that's always a good thing. Doesn't matter what mode you're on. <laughs> it's always a good thing that the bands are in use. Yeah. And, and actually jumping back to something we mentioned before, when you're using modes like this, JT65, FTA, JSA call, Remember that these are high-duty cycle modes, and they're for weak signal propagation. So you don't want to be running QRO when you're using JSA call. There's no need for 1,000 watts when you're using JSA. <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> I run 5,000. <laughs> no, yeah, they do, they do. I did mention that it's an 84% duty cycle mode. So it's, it's quite, quite hard on the finals. Um, and they recommend running your rig or your amplifier at about 50% of its output, you know, just to preserve. I mean, it has the capability of hearing your signal way, way, way down in the mud. You do not have to be blasting your signal out there to, in order to get heard. Um, although if you're trying to get that really far, you know, rag chew contact in, then maybe, but <laughs> I, t- I tend to run as QRP as my rig will allow me, which is five watts. And if I'm not getting quite to where I want to go, I'll go as high as about 25 or 30. Uh, but I definitely don't run it any higher than that because for the most part, it's not necessary. I mean, this, this will detect signals so far down into the noise. You, you don't really need that. And remember, you know, as I'm sure all of, all of us amateur radio operators do that it takes a whole lot of extra power to just increase by one s unit so going from five to you know 500 watts isn't getting you all that much so no you know if you're not getting there with 25 watts you're probably not getting there with 500 either (laughs) so anyway um but yeah i'm i'm actually kind of enjoying jsa call i'm gonna i'm gonna start using this some more it it 
um, it's a little quirky at first when you're trying to sort of figure out where you are in a conversation with people because it's it's you know broken up into little pieces. But that that's kind of like riding a bicycle; you get over it pretty quick, and then you sort of know where you are. So uh, I think to dive into JSA call, it really doesn't qu- require a lot, and and you should uh, get in and use it. It's going to be it's going to take over. It's going to be the next FT8 thing. It's going to be even better than that. <laughs> I don't know if it'll take over FT8, but uh, you know, considering FT8 is kind of transitioning, you know, into contest uh, in the contest area, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Might be a stretch. <laughs> uh, I guess we'll see. So we'll throw it open real quick to the chat room. They can uh, ask us any questions we have. If there's something we missed, or if there's a comment about JS8 call, or any of the other things we've uh, touched on as far as configuration and operation from tonight we'll uh see if anything happens there and we do have one bit of feedback that we'll get to here in a second in in case we uh don't have any comments or anything well we can always recognize the people that have been chatting around in the chat room we certainly can why don't you do that sure so so far this evening even though we started a little bit late uh we've had uh cubicle nate has been in here of course w-a-0-e-i-r ted's been there KB2YSI Don and the other Don KC9ZMY. He was there. And I don't know if we've had anyone else speak up. Did you mention I'm Ted? Looking at did the I log. Miss? I did I did mention Ted, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, I think that's it. <laughs> yeah, I think that was it for tonight. But that's that's Yeah, cool. us being a little late, you know, that uh, we kind of scared away some people, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. That's why we record this so you don't have to, you know, stay, stay late. late. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't see any questions or comments in the chat room. We'll address any of them if they do happen to come through. Uh and Cheryl wasn't able to actually join us tonight, so I will do this bit of feedback. Uh, it's a comment on episode number 251 from Stephen, November 1, Sierra Hotel. And he says, thanks for the mention of the QSO Mapper project. It was quite by accident that I heard the mention on your podcast as I had just been surfing for a ham radio podcast to add to my routine. I happened to cross yours and gave episode 251 a test listen. I guess fate is telling me to subscribe. And that <laughs> is from November 1, Sierra Hotel. So very good. And that came from our GitHub deep dive. Oh, I mean, our GitHub dumpster dive. I mean, uh, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking for stuff. And yeah, that yes. was that, that was that QSO mapper project that uh, took an ADIF file and plotted it on a, a Google map. So that was, that was a pretty cool project, which I have used since the application or the episode in which we mentioned it. And it's very cool. So, oh, really cool. Yeah. So you should check out the QSO mapper project. There's a couple of projects out there that will map QSOs, but this one's super easy. You just take like an AD, an ADIF file and, you know, you load it into the QSO mapper and it gives you cool visualization. So thanks, Stephen, for, for putting out the QSO mapper project, first of all, and then for also commenting and listening to the show. I hope uh, we did make it into your regular podcast rotation and we appreciate you being out there. All right. So I think... Seeing nothing in the chat room or over on the Discord, everybody has fallen asleep, <laughs> <laughs> which is okay because I think we're all headed that way eventually. So anyway, I think we'll go ahead and wrap this episode up. Uh, this has been a deep dive into JS8 Call, a new application for digital mode communication, and episode 253 of Linux in the Ham Shack. So for Cheryl, W5MOO, who's not quite here, but will be next time, I'm Russ, K5TUX. 
And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the program by visiting the LHS Patreon page of patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or using the contribute link on the website. Get in touch via social media. The show has a presence on Google+, Facebook, Twitter, Discord and YouTube. Or you can drop an email to info at lhspodcast.info or record a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the IRC channel, LHS Podcast, on the Freenode IRC network. Also visit the online merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable LHS merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a Linux convention or ham fest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info or visit the website for details. The podcast is recorded live every Monday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Connect to the stream at stream.blacksparrowmedia.net colon 8008 stroke LHS live. Until next time, over and out. in the ham shack and the linux in the ham shack logo are released under a creative commons attribute non-commercial no derivatives 4.0 international license